1: This is Need to Know, real talk about the reality of unidentified aerial phenomena. From Australia, Ross
0: Coulthart. From the US, Bryce Zabel. Welcome to Need to Know. I'm Ross Coulthart, talking to you from beautiful Southern Highlands, just south of Sydney in Australia, and my co-host is Bryce Zabel. And I'm here in Los Angeles, a little north,
1: actually, where we've been enjoying some uh, some rain of recent times. So that's been very good for us. And and uh, life is going on here in L.A. And, and uh, Ross and I have just now, I think, Ross, we have proved that we have a global presence already. So that's
0: great. A, a transcontinental media <laughs> investigation team looking at the phenomenon of UAPs. And we're calling them UAPs, aren't we, Bryce? We're calling them UAPs because UFOs carries too much stigma. I think UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, is a good compromise, don't you reckon?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I've, uh, you know, I've got a little uh, uh, medium site where people write articles and we've asked the readers what they think of UFO versus UAP. And I have to say the hardcore readers favor UFO. Uh, But the government, uh, the United States government in particular, favors UAP. So I'm happy to
0: be bilingual on this and go either way. So why are a couple of serious insect investigative journalists? I'm an author. I'm an investigative filmmaker. I make documentaries. You might have read my book, In Plain Sight, which was published this year by HarperCollins. And I've also made a documentary called The UFO Phenomenon. And Bryce, you're pretty damn accomplished yourself. You know, the
1: two of us uh, uh, have, I guess, bonded a little bit over the fact that we've both uh, been in the investigative reporting game, me less recently, I suppose, than you, Ross, because you're in it right now. Um, And Ross, uh, your book, uh, In Plain Sight, has made quite a kerfuffle, if you will, in the UFO or UAP community this year, because it was really a terrific book that set the, the stage for where we are at. When, um, when it came out, I remember reading it and thinking, finally, somebody has written the book that I wish I'd written. So I thought <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And I think it's probably a good idea right now, if we're talking about need to know, to ask ourselves, um, if the show is called Need to Know, what do people
0: need to know about it? Okay, well, the reason I wrote my book was because I recognized there was a need for people to be able to come into this subject cold and have a quick primer. To understanding why it matters and i guess that's the purpose of this podcast that that both of us feel and recognize that the public isn't yet being well served by existing programs that i think assume too much knowledge i think I, i think we have to start from basics I think
1: the thing is, Ross, both uh, you and I are broadcasters by training and experience. And broad means you want to speak to a broad audience. And a lot of what's happened in the UFO, UAP field has been uh, sort of the echo chamber, the the niche part of things where people who already know certain things talk to other people who know the same things and they tread over some of the same information. And I think because of your book and, and, and uh, my own desire to be a little more broad based about this, Uh, We see this as not just another uh, podcast, but as a podcast that is meant for the average person to tune into and say, I know this is an important story
0: and I'd like to know more about it. I think the public would also like to know a little bit more about you, Bryce, and you're hiding your light under a bushel. I was quite (laughs) intimidated when I first got approached by you because you're a very well-known Hollywood producer. You've made the incredible TV series Dark Skies, which to me evokes all of those dark conspiracy theories about UFOs, aliens amidst, and governments concealing dark secrets. Do you believe that stuff? Well, I
1: believe it was a good story. Uh, and certainly that's why, uh, I first wrote about it. Uh, well, thank you. Those are kind comments. I started out. Can I say that?
0: I don't, I don't want to be rude, but I I actually do think both of us believe, and this is why we're doing this. Both of us believe at our heart of this, there is a conspiracy. There has been a cover-up,
1: Hasn't sure. There absolutely has. I tell people it's easier for me to prove that there's been a cover up than it is to prove exactly what UFOs and UAP represent because I've actually been involved in the cover up by by people that are that are uh, you know in charge of it. I think and and so I, I do think that. Uh, if you give any serious attention to this, and I think both of us have over the years, you come to the conclusion that the United States government has been telling people for a long, long time, nothing to see here and uh, don't worry about it. And we're not looking into it because everybody's safe. And that's not what they've been doing. That part, your book brilliantly laid out this year because it pointed out that that wasn't
0: the truth. In fact, more than that, They've ridiculed the subject matter. This is the thing that was the eye-opener for me as a journo. I came into this thinking, I'm going to very quickly be able to prove that what we're talking about here, which is essentially anomalous objects, strange-looking things that are seen not only in the sky, but also increasingly underwater in orbit – Strange objects that are now being recorded on sensor systems by very sophisticated, mainly US military planes, but also aircraft and sensors all over the world, which government now admits it can't explain. And I came into this, Bryce, thinking I was going to prove very early on this was just some black project out at Area 51 at the Nevada test range. We could all go home and get on with the next story. But that didn't happen. Most people that are are
1: very well versed in this topic did start as skeptics. I think that that's true for myself as well. I started out extremely skeptical. Uh, I kind of wanted it to be true because I was writing about it in, you know, in terms of writing a movie and a television series, but I wanted, I wanted it to be true for that, but I didn't know until you get into it, but that allows me to kind of drag us back to why now, why are we recording this inaugural podcast on December 17th of 2021? Well, it's a special anniversary. Anniversary, Because many people uh, certainly know where they were when JFK was killed, if they were alive back then, as their parents did, knowing about Pearl Harbor, and as our children know about 9-11 and the rest of us. And for people that are involved in the UFO and UAP U- uh, research field, and, and and frankly, people who have made themselves aware of the topic, uh, December 17th is when the New York Times
0: finally put it on the front page, pretty much what you just said. It was amazing because I I can remember reading that article and going, oh, my God, the most influential newspaper on the planet is essentially talking about a secret UFO investigation program that had been going on inside the Pentagon for several years, which investigated Navy videos taken by fighter pilots that had engaged with these objects, which it could not explain. That was a paradigm shift, really, wasn't it?
1: It was a shocker, and uh, for those uh, people who are listening to us, who are who probably had a passing awareness of this this uh, I guess event this this uh, this story that broke, it's been something that has sort of upended everything. Uh, if you want to look at UFO disclosure progress over the past seventy five years, it's been almost glacial. But then along comes this New York Times article, and in four years, wow. I mean, things have really gotten on rails right now. And 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 in fact, as we're about to talk about, 2021 has been one of the most impactful years ever. And 2022 looks pretty much the same way.
0: So let's talk about that moment that was described in the... 2017, December 2017 article, there's a pilot called Dave Fravor who's told to go out and find a location and look to see what's there over ocean just off Baja California and what he finds when he gets there, he looks down from 28,000 feet and he sees what the USS Princeton, a guided missile destroyer, has been registering on its very sophisticated radar systems he sees an object hovering just above the ocean. It's incredible. It, I mean, the whole thing reads like a suspense novel.
1: And um, and I'll be honest with you, um, I have a pilot that I've just written called UAP, and I have based it primarily on what would happen when something like that uh, sort of interrupts the government's train of thought on things. And I think that the what's happened over the, the these four years is that we've realized that what the New York Times described in that groundbreaking article wasn't a one-off. It wasn't just a very special event. It's something that these these Navy pilots and frankly Air Force pilots have been saying happens all the time. There are Navy pilots right now that's, and and radar people that say, "Oh yeah, this stuff happens almost daily." And I want people to think about that for a second. These things that that don't appear to have wings, they have no visible form of propulsion. Uh, they can hover. They can go ten thousand miles an hour. They can go from eighty thousand feet down to twenty eight thousand feet, or
0: even two thousand or two hundred feet turn on a dime without changing velocity. They're, yeah, they're it's capable of cloaking themselves like a Klingon destroyer. And, it's quite extraordinary. They can extra- jam the radar. It is so extraordinary. And it's
1: amplified in its, uh, I don't know if this is a word, in its extraordinariness, because the truth of the matter is, if it's happening all the time, no wonder we're talking about it right now. No wonder that the wheels are coming off this cover-up that you mentioned uh, just uh, recently.
0: So let's just quickly summarize what we've described there because this is really important for our listeners. You're going to be hearing us talk occasionally about something called the five observables. Yes. And Bryce gave them a quick summary. There are there are objects that seem to be able to display a capacity to propel themselves using a technology that sounds like anti-gravity. There's no visible exhaust on the propulsion system. When they put infrared sensors on them, you can't see the kind of glow that you'd expect to see from say a jet fighter's rear end. Um, They're capable of instantaneous acceleration. They don't wind up for a start. They go from naught to 10,000 kilometers or 10,000 miles an hour in an instant. And for Dave Fravor that day, the people who were on the radar systems in the USS Princeton, Princeton, they'd seen these objects at 80,000 feet and in 0.78, no, in 7 eighths of a second, it went from 80,000 feet to hovering above the surface of the ocean. That's hundreds of thousands of miles an hour, thousands of G-forces. There's no technology is there, that right. there.
1: If we had human beings inside a craft that did that, they would pretty much be liquid by the time that the that event was over. So it does kind of raise questions about, well, I mean, it does raise <laughs> questions about what we're looking at, because it's not it doesn't sound like it's uh, people flying around in these things because we couldn't do it right now.
0: What What's very clear is this is not known, acknowledged Correct. American, Russian or Chinese technology. The Pentagon's made that clear. Um, just let's quickly summarise these observables. We've talked about the um, capacity to do instantaneous acceleration, hypersonic speeds. They can cloak themselves. They can evade radar and jam sensors. And the final fifth one is that they're transmedium. They've been recorded traveling from air to sea, moving at hundreds of knots underwater. And they're also being detected in orbit, in outer space, moving from our atmosphere. They can go from space uh,
1: to atmosphere to water. So it's kind of ironic, isn't it? We started uh, off tonight by saying, well, UFO is kind of a, an old term, unidentified flying object. And the government came up with a new term, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena. And now it turns out even that may be outdated because they're not just aerial phenomena, are they? There's something else that we're looking at. And and it's disturbing a lot of people right now. It's The reason it has traction is that it isn't just... Uh, your friend who likes to talk about UFOs, who's talking about this now. Now it's senators and congressmen and and very highly uh, sourced uh, intel people.
0: There are a lot of people who, since the December 2017 New York Times story, have thought, they've asserted that there's a deliberate, slow trickle coming out from government. That this is the beginning of disclosure, that we're suddenly gonna get told about a new reality. I must say, I'm not so sure. Well, you know, I don't, I don't we may think...
1: we may part company a little tiny bit on that one, Ross, because I I'm more of a I, I I sort of think once the horse gets out of the barn a little bit on this thing, it's hard to get the horse back in the barn. And I see a world where, yeah, there there's been a lot of uh, secrecy involved in this, going back to the summer of '47 when the flying saucer craze actually began, and I have been as frustrated as anybody by that, and it's clear that uh, denial and ridicule, the twin pillars of those two things, have managed to keep this thing bottled up. But now that we're all talking about it together, and now that uh, senators are demanding action and reports are being written that are public, it's going to be hard to, I think, completely turn the dial down, but we, you know, reasonable
0: people can disagree. So let's talk about some of those key events. I mean obviously we we're, we're talking on the anniversary of the New York Times story 4 years ago. But since that story this year has been a huge year which is why we felt it was important to do this year in review. And probably the key event that took place this year first off was the 25th of June report that was tabled in the Congress by the UAP task force which made a report to Congress that I think, even though it was slightly dull, really, in the reading, it was actually a momentous document for its significance.
1: I I have to agree. Uh, Just to bring the listener in on this thing, uh, Congress demanded uh, and gave 180 days in December of 2020 during the Trump administration that there be this report written by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. And they were given 180 days. I actually got a calendar out when that happened, Ross. And I realized that it was June 25th. And I kept seeing my journalistic colleagues out there talking about early June or late June. And I I thought, where's your calendar people? Uh, and, (laughs) and it literally did come out on June 25th and, uh, And just as kind of a sidebar to that, and then I'd like to get into the meat of that. But um, I had written a book myself uh, on this topic uh, called AD After Disclosure, which would be how the world's going to change after we finally all admit some of this stuff is is real and authentic. And one of the things that uh, I I put in that book, along with my co-author, Richard Dolan, was that if there was going to be a disclosure event, it would come on a Friday after four o'clock when the stock market had been closed down and uh, the media would have the A teams sent home and the B teams would be in charge for the weekend. And guess when that report came out, it came out on Friday, June 25th after four o'clock. So I, I sort of feel like the people who wrote it knew it would be more substantial. So I do want to uh, follow up on what you just said, Ross, because I think it's, it's uh, v- very true. Uh, people have tried to dismiss that report, but I'm only talking about activists who th- call it something like a nothing burger. It was not, not,
0: in the least the key thing for me is that it acknowledged that the videos that had been shot by the u.s navy three of which have been publicly released could not be prosaically explained you know they couldn't give a mundane explanation for them they couldn't say it was a weather balloon or a cloud or a misidentified aircraft or or some kind of atmospheric phenomena that was benign They they genuinely admitted, the Pentagon investigators admitted after several years of investigating, that these videos were showing a phenomena that was real. People who are a part of that team are actually suggesting that these are, quote, craft Right. Vehicles are the words that Lou Elizondo, the former head of the UFO investigation program in the Pentagon, has used. He talks about vehicles. He talks about craft. He's talking about intelligently controlled objects doing things that human science as it acknowledged it's at the moment, as is officially acknowledged at the moment, human science just can't do. It's far beyond our known physics.
1: Far beyond. I want to just, uh, again, bring our listeners up to speed here. This report, which was six months in the making and came out in June, June 25th, uh, came out in two versions. One was classified, and that was briefed and, and uh, given to the intelligence committees of the United States Congress, uh, both Senate and uh, House and then the public version was shorter. It was basically six pages of content, nine pages if you count the fluff around it, six pages of content. Here's why I say it's not a nothing burger. What you've talked about is what I call the big picture, which was it confirms these things are real. Well, the government's really danced around that for years, and and now they're saying, okay, yes, they're real. They're probably craft, and uh, we don't know what they are. All right, so That's number one. That's a big admission. But also this report does two other things that um, I think are profound. It basically says, we don't think these are made in America. In other words, translation, we don't think it's black budget American technology from the Department of Defense. And then the third thing it said is, we don't think that our adversaries are making them, which would be China or Russia, to which I have to just say, I agree, folks, because While you might think America, China, or Russia might be able to make something crazy right now, I don't think they were making them in 1947, and China didn't even have an Air Force back then.
0: Absolutely, and there's one more thing that I thought was significant in that report, which is that for years, The default explanation from here in Australia, our Air Force, the British Air Force and your American Air Force, has always been, they've always kind of avoided the question when people ask, are the UFOs real? They always say, whatever they are, they're not a threat to national security and they're no threat to flight safety. And the crucial thing that I think often gets overlooked in the mainstream media and most of the coverage of this issue is that the report to the Congress actually admitted that it is a threat to flight safety because some of these pilots, especially on the East Coast, I've spoken to one of them, they've been buzzed by these weird objects, a sphere in one case, right. with a square inside, a translucent sphere with a kind of charcoal square inside, <laughs> an intelligently controlled object engaging with his aeroplane at hypersonic speeds, doing weird stuff that I'm told some of this is recorded on video. And the Navy has admitted it cannot explain this. I frankly, Bryce, and this is, I guess, why you and I are doing this program. I just don't understand why many in the mainstream media, including our chums at the New York Times, aren't devoting full-time ransmen and women to, to covering this beat. It's an important subject. I the think admissions, the admissions that have been made by the Pentagon, I think, are earth shattering. Well, I, I think that they
1: probably will get in the game in a bigger way across the board. It might be like Watergate for a while. uh, Woodward and Bernstein kind of owned that story. And then everyone else saw it was a real story and they got involved in it. So that may be what is going to happen. And that may be my answer for why I think that we're going to get some kind of disclosure, but I just wanted to, uh, we, you know, we said we were doing this, for all the reasons that uh, you've already laid out. But we also said it was kind of a year in review. So I just wanted to point out, I wrote down the number one, uh, I mean, the story we're talking about, the preliminary report on UAP, right? But it's only number two. It's the number two story of the year because this is the number one story of the year. Stay with us, we're back in a moment because you need to know. this is the number one story of the year absolutely (laughs) the gillibrand rubio amendment and i i and the only reason i and i'm going to just set you up for this because i think The evidence that the preliminary report was way more important than people gave it credit for is the fact that these Congress people and senators like Gillibrand and Rubio, who got the private classified briefings, who saw some of the videos that you're talking about, got scared and decided to go big and not go home.
0: You know what? I didn't think I would ever see in a piece of draft legislation for the U.S. Congress the words unidentified aerial <laughs> phenomena it, it's historic the the Gillibrand amendment which to give all due credit was pushed largely by a senator a democratic senator from New York Kirsten Gillibrand is it Gillibrand or Gillibrand by the Gil,
1: way uh, we say I think we say Gillibrand I Gillibrand but, yeah but, but you Gillibrand know with our Australia America thing I don't know we're going to bump
0: into this many times I'm sure in the future. Sure so the pentagon in anticipation of this congress legisla- this legislation coming before congress it announced it was creating an unpronounceable acronym aioaoimsg i'm not even going to bother trying to explain oh. what it was but it was yeah. the pentagon's effort to try to head this off and what they were trying to do was say no 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 we're going to investigate ufos we're going to investigate the phenomenon um, you know just here's our here's our office just leave it with us and mercifully thank heavens sanity has prevailed because for the first time in 75 76 years since this issue first surfaced after world war ii the congress is actually putting in writing in draft legislation the most stunning requirements i just cannot believe what it's it as well as requiring The collection of data on UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena. My favorite part is that, firstly, they're required to coordinate with allies and partners of the United States. That means my government, Australia. Yes, It Yes, it does. Canada. It means France, England. This is going to be international. There's going to be an international collaboration. If America wants it, it'll get it. Don't you agree? I agree.
1: Um, I and and it is uh, unprecedented. And seriously, folks, uh, it's it's worth reading because you, as Ross pointed out, the more you read of it, you say, wait a second, are we really? Say they're funding it. They're telling there. There's ev- there's a language in there about a fast reaction team to go investigate know. these things. I mean, fact, who would have thought that?
0: Incident response. They yes. The, Secret- the Secretary of Defense shall ensure that this UFO UAP investigation group has adequate personnel with the requisite experience, e- equipment, transportation, and other resources to respond rapidly to incidents. It's kind of like a an X-Files investigation team. It sounds extraordinary.
1: Well and and also um because a, a good report can get the ball rolling in certain cases. What's I think also profound about it is that it's demanding a yearly public report. So uh,
0: they're going to have to build on what they started last year, this year. Basically, it's it's ordering the defense department. I think kick in, kicking and screaming, not only to make public reports but private classified reports to Congress. On the technical and operational characteristics, origins, and intentions of unidentified aerial phenomena, including um, let me go on. Well, Russ, it
1: it also says that we want to if that it's looking to find out if we have actually any of this technology in our possession,
0: which would mean crash wreckage. So they're saying they want to to develop and test a scientific plan theories to account for the characteristics and performance of unidentified aerial phenomena that exceed the known state of the art in science and technology including in the areas of propulsion aerodynamic control signatures structures materials sensors countermeasures weapons electronics power generation and to provide the foundation for potential future investments to replicate any such advanced characteristics (laughs) and performance i mean they're not talking about alien spaceships, but by golly, they're coming pretty close. You know, I think we could have just taken 10 minutes and had you read
1: the damn thing, because that would have been pretty profound in it, on its own. And by the way, part of it involved in that is it also says it wants reports on uh, biological effects that these things might have had that were injurious to people who saw
0: them. Well, this is the cool part. I mean, in... Um in the draft legislation, it requires that no later than the 31st of October next year, 2022, and every other year after that through to 2026, there shall be an annual report. And it will report not only on all unidentified aerial phenomena events that occurred during that year, but also, as you say, analysis of geospatial intelligence, signals intelligence, human intelligence. So that's dragging in the National Oceanographic Institution, the uh, NRO, the National Reconnaissance Office, the NSA, all of America's top spy agencies are being ordered to provide data to the Defense Department.
1: Now, of course, for this topic to have been buried for as many years, and again, going back to 47, that's a lot of years, that'll be 75 years in 2022 that this thing is this... uh, Thing has been going on in our our lives. For it to have been buried that deep, uh, it does mean that people who were in charge of whatever the investigation has been over time haven't been as forthcoming about it as we would have liked them to be. So it's not that it's not that there won't be people within the Department of Defense and some of these intel departments
0: that won't need to be dragged kicking and screaming to the table. I think it's important at this stage to acknowledge that everybody politely acknowledges that whilst it has been declared. By the Congress and in these reports, that there there is no American technology that equates with this technology, and there's very likely no Russian or Chinese technology that does. They still hold open the possibility that it might be some foreign adversary. So there's a requirement here that um, they identify any incidents or patterns regarding unidentified aerial phenomena that indicate a potential adversarial foreign government may have achieved a breakthrough aerospace capability, but I don't really think to you that they genuinely believe that. Is it just a sop for the debunkers?
1: Look, uh, I'm sure your sources tell you the same thing my sources tell me, which is nobody seriously believes that. Uh, uh, Most people say it's a smokescreen right now to sort of get get the camel in the tent, I guess. You know, the idea that we have to talk about foreign adversaries who might have developed this UAP because that's what the public can handle right now.
0: Now, Bryce, a few months ago, I got a tip from a very good US intelligence community insider who told me that The United States was actually actively involved in trying to bring down one of these objects, to actually bring down one of what they were describing to me as a vehicle, a craft, an intelligently controlled object. And I waited for somebody in the US government to deny this and to challenge me on it. Nobody did. And what blows me away is that here in this draft legislation, in this Kirsten Gillibrand amendment, there is a reference to the requirement that they provide an update on any efforts underway on the ability to capture or exploit discovered unidentified aerial phenomena. And as you've pointed out earlier, it also requires an assessment of any health-related effects for individuals that have encountered unidentified aerial phenomena, because I'm told that some of these pilots and other people who've had these experiences have suffered adverse effects from their engagement with them. Uh,
1: it, it's interesting because I don't think you meant to step into this, but that is the intersection of of what breaking news and my life in Hollywood, because the first movie I ever wrote about UFOs was called Official Denial. It aired on the Sci-Fi Channel in 1993, and it was about shooting down a UFO, a government plan to do that called Operation Forced Encounter. And I will tell you, without getting it, we don't have time to get into it now, but I was contacted by somebody uh, who claimed to have been in the government Government at that time, who said that that was something they were very interested in? So I, 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 and that was twenty. That was over a quarter of a century ago. So I have to think if they were thinking about it then,
0: they're they're thinking about it now. And the other thing they're requiring is that Congress be told about the number of incidents of unidentified aerial phenomena associated with military nuclear assets, including strategic nuclear weapons and nuclear-powered ships and submarines. And that's, I think, very important because one of the things we've seen down here in Australia is we've got facilities that are part of your country's strategic nuclear deterrence, the Pine Gap facility, which is where you monitor ICBM launches uh, from satellites. And we also have the Northwest Cape Harold E. Holt Naval Communications Station, where, frankly, some really wacky woo has been seen by many, many witnesses. Huge craft, glowing orbs, objects going into the sea. It's a, a really lively area for strange phenomena. And this nexus between nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons facilities, and the phenomenon is very real.
1: Very real. And and I, I have to say, when I first read your book this year, uh, one of the, I thought it accomplished two things very well. The first was, it made me uh, relieved that I didn't have to Prove to anybody anymore that this wasn't just uh, United States citizens, Americans going a little bit crazy, and and that it wasn't really happening anywhere else. Because the truth of the matter, you make that case very strongly, and also I think you also make the case that the United States uh, has a an ally in Australia in trying to maintain its nuclear force uh, projection, and and one of the things that uh, has got people in Congress running around like their hair is on fire, is this nuclear connection between uh, unidentified aircraft and nuclear weapons. And that one, uh, again, goes back to what you said previously. Uh, The the, the report says we should be worried about that connection, that there is a a danger there.
0: So... Congress is going to get a report in October yeah. next year but there's no guarantee is there that we're going to get told the full unclassified no. unexpurgated version isn't there a risk here that what we're going to see is another project blue book snow job where I don't, I don't, you've got the you've got the military collecting data and and only letting the public know the stuff where they can debunk i just i, you know, I think we're
1: moved beyond that i could be wrong i mean um and and time will tell but i don't think uh, the 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 whole Issue has sort of parked itself anywhere uh, while that report is going to come out in October. Uh, This is an active issue and people are talking about it. And I just wanted to add one thing to this, um, to try to dimensionalize this for our audience. The name of the amendment is the Gillibrand-Rubio Amendment. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand is the Senator from New York. Marco Rubio, the Senator from uh, Florida. Uh, They both serve on the Intelligence Committee in the Senate. Uh, what do they have in common? Uh, Marco Rubio ran for president in 2016. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand ran for president in 2020. These are ambitious politicians. They know how to get elected. They know how to avoid issues that would cause them not to get elected. And they have both decided that the UAP issue is of significant importance that they can put their names on an amendment about it and, and talk openly about it. And I don't think they checked their ambition, their presidential ambitions at the door. I think they think, maybe not for 2024, but I think that they think this is going to be part of the public discourse in the fairly near future. And they want to be able to say, I was there early and definitively, and I was right on this
0: topic. I can give you a bit of an insight into that, because while I was doing my research for my book, I, I was talking to some of the Congress people and staffers who were receiving classified briefings. And what's interesting is that since the New York Times story, there's been very secret briefings held in SCIFs, secure compartmentalised information facilities in the bowels of the the Pentagon and also in Mm -hmm. the Congress, which have briefed certain senators, certain congressmen and their staffers on what exactly the UAP task force found. And I haven't got a lot of the detail. But what I do know is it's rocked the world view of the people that I've spoken to. It really was disturbing for them because they were hearing from pilots who I've also spoken to that this isn't just a one off. These aren't just isolated incidents. And they're not just to deal with those debunkers who always say, oh, why does it only ever happen in America? It doesn't just happen in America. This is a phenomenon that is occurring all the time, all over the world. But because America has now developed incredibly good phased array radars, radars that don't work like the old ones you used to see on the black and white mm-hmm. movies where they're like a clock, they've got a beam that goes out and hits an object that only gives you an idea of it being solid, it also gives you an idea of its size and its shape and even its mass in some cases. And these technologies have allowed the Pentagon, the U.S. Navy in particular, for the first time to start seriously engaging with a phenomenon that we know has been around for many, many decades, at least since the end of World War II. It's
1: a terrific point you're making. And and if you think about it, one of the things that's been said over these years many times is skeptics say, well, where's the evidence? Right? You've got a lot of people seeing things in the sky, but where's the evidence? Well, part of the answer was there was some evidence and good evidence, and we can get into that in future shows. But the real answer now is, particularly since 2000 on, you could say that the state of our ability to perceive our world that's around us has increased exponentially. Our technology is better than ever to see what's going on, and that technology is on board our aircraft. It's a it's on board these, these carriers that are watching the skies. It's, it's in our satellites and our ability to pull all this together is what Congress is basically asking the military and the intelligence departments to do. And that
0: could be a big game changer. Well, one of my sources for my book, a guy called Bob fish didn't mind going on the record. He was working in Lockheed Martin's um, facility on, um, in California. And, uh, He was shown telemetry data from satellites, DSP, Defense Support Program satellites. And this would be nearly 30 years ago now. So this is 30 years ago. Sure. And he was shown how this satellite recorded an object coming in front of the satellite, changing course, changing velocity, and then entering Earth's atmosphere. Not a terrestrial human made object, not. A meteor or a comet that's not how meteors or comets behave a complete mystery and so the thing that fascinates me is that this has been a mystery for not just the last few years It's been, and if you go through, and this is the thing that blew me away about, your fantastic. Your government, honestly, as a journalist, I just despair at how secret my government is. You, You guys have got the most incredible archives. The CIA library is a, it's a godsend for openness and transparency. And I know we all think the CIA is a very sort of dark agency that doesn't reveal very much. But the stuff it reveals, the stuff your defence department reveals about the history of this phenomenon, the fact that it's been around since at least the end of World War II, and probably a lot, lot earlier, the pilots that I've been talking to, who are flying off the east coast off Virginia, they tell me they go up now, almost every time they go up, they're seeing as many as 50 to 100 objects unexplained objects. And I've confirmed with Lou Elizondo, who was the guy who ran the Pentagon UFO investigation program, there are other videos, incredibly clear videos in the possession of the US military, which haven't yet been released. And in the words of Lou Elizondo, if the public saw them, they would blow your socks off. Well, I think we're
1: going to see them eventually. And I think that is why we're going to have a more fulsome disclosure uh, going forward, because once the evidence is before you, you're, you know, are you going to believe your lying eyes? I think you will. You're going to have to say something for sure is going on and and, and you're going to want answers. So I will say this, what's going to be the, the thing of the fairly near future is taking all those documents you've talked about, but there's a hidden history out there that our history books, once we sort of admit that this has been going on for a long time, We're going to have to turn some historians loose and rewrite a lot of these history books because some stuff's been going on under the radar, if you will, for a long, long time. Can I make the
0: point, though, that I I do think it's important to be skeptical? I'm not a debunker. I'm not not entering into this, though, with rose-tinted spectacles. Everybody thinks that when you start talking about UAPs, you're talking about little green men, aliens. I don't know what it is. I don't either. What we're doing, what we're doing in this show, and what I think the mainstream media needs to start doing, is acknowledge that there is a genuine mystery. It can no longer be ridiculed, can no longer be stigmatized or treated with taboo. It's real, and the crucial point is that the the reports to Congress the secret briefings to Congress by the Pentagon, and more importantly, this just extraordinary Gillibrand legislation that's going to go into the defence appropriations legislation later this year, hopefully, it acknowledges the phenomenon is real. In black and white, the Pentagon is saying this is real. We need to take this seriously. We need to investigate it.
1: I, I, I agree with everything you just said. And I want to say, uh, as we sort of wrap up our inaugural episode here, that that's why we're here. That's the mission statement, if you will, of need to know, which is we're not waiting for other people to break their stories or whatever. We're, we're going to look into this on our own and we're going to do it transparently. We'll be sharing information with our listeners as we resolve it and, and even some of the mysteries. And we're trying not to be credulous observers who believe everything that is out there. I certainly don't. And I know you don't. Uh, But we're also going to try to be the kind of people who can take a lot of facts in and sift through them and spend more time doing it than a very busy person. And if you give us your 30 minutes or your 45 minutes, whenever we have a chance to put one of these together, we won't waste your time. We're going to try to tell you the story as directly and as powerfully as we can. It's a compelling story. And whatever is going on, it certainly seems like it's something we all ought to be paying attention to. I can't wait to see what the future holds next year in
0: 2022. Me too, Bryce. Me too. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, that's need to know. I'm looking forward to talking to you next time. And I'm sure, Bryce, so are you. I say the same thing. Good night and goodbye to everybody, and we'll see you
1: next time. Thanks so much. Watch the skies. Need to know more? Email us. The address is contact at needtoknow.today. That's contact at need to know dot today. We'll be back next time because you need to know.